1: Before we get into the moaning and griping portion of the show, I will say this, Lavelle, as uh, a longtime baseball writer, you and I are both longtime baseball writers, I appreciate the Twins being interesting for five months and potentially interesting for another month or so. We're recording here on September 1st. The Twins are in the race. They have eight games remaining with Cleveland. They're going to play four games at Yankee Stadium. They're going to play a bunch, a bunch of games against the uh, the really stupid uh, Chicago White Sox. It's going to be an interesting month, and I'll take it.
0: Absolutely. Um if you if you had low expectations for the Twins, they did their job. They got us to football season. Okay. They they gave us something to do uh during the summer <laughs> before uh Viking season started. If your expectations were a little bit higher than that, um you're you're a little uh worried at this point of the season because um they uh, got knocked out first place about a month ago. They're struggling to get back, and they just can't get on the right roll at the right time. And meanwhile, Cleveland um, has some things breaking in their direction here as we go down the stretch. But um, it was a fun summer. Uh, we watched uh, Jose Miranda become a fixture in the lineup. We watched Joe Bryan continue to take steps forward. We watched Joanne Duran become one of the more dominating relievers in baseball and the per, the person who threw the first ever 100 mile an hour off speed pitch in a game. Uh, we saw Luis Urias uh, cement his importance to this lineup. I'm frankly, I'm surprised terms have not announced a contract extension for him. We saw a lot of good things. We saw Nick Gordon um, cover a rollout for himself after years of being sick or injured or just dealing with setbacks, um, being able to finally get some traction in his career. So it's been uh, interesting to see some things develop here.
1: No doubt about it. And by the way, uh, this is the chin music show with Lavelle, Neil and Roy Smalley. Roy is uh, off this week. So it's myself and Lavelle. Also this Sacre week Blue. <laughs> recorded a show, <laughs> uh, my show block Commuter with Jim Suhan. My guests this week were uh, some upstarts named Patrick Royce and Chip Scoggins. We had a great conversation, a lot of fun, a lot of storytelling. Check that out. Everything's at talknorth.com. Best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, our sales executive, Karen Cleary, and Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the Chin Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. We do appreciate their sponsorship. We appreciate you listening. So, yeah, let's get into a lot of the the, uh, recent news. As you said, uh, the other day I asked uh, Derek Falvey who are going to be the first people back off the injured list other than Buxton, which got more of a mystery, and he said he thought it was going to be Winder and Larnick. Now, Larnick's on the 60-day DL. I think that really hurts. Uh, he could have really uh, you know, deepened this lineup and given him a left-handed thumper if he had been able to swing the way he was swinging when he was healthy. Now he's out for the season. That's a bad deal. Winder's probably going to come back as a three-inning or two-inning guy and help the bullpen out, um, and th- today they brought you know, I think Austin Davis and, and Billy Hamilton, but I think those two party. extra roster spots for uh, Stender are really going to end up going to Buxton and whatever pitcher is, you know, Winder coming off the angel. So those will be the per- more permanent moves, I think. But what's your view of all these
0: moves? Well, yeah, it's too bad for Larnick, who was trying to recover from a core muscle injury. And um, he definitely could have provided an attack off an attacker off the bench or for Rocco. Um, and that was sudden too, because he was actually ramping up in the right direction here a few days ago, actually earlier this week, they expressed hope that he was going to be online to contribute. Uh, I feel bad for the guy because I, it seems like there's talent there that he's had a couple of setbacks and He has been unable to show him and Karoloff are kind of in the same boat as well. Karoloff with that bothersome wrist, you know, and, and Lauren Larn- dealing with this core muscle injury. Um, Winder and I guess Bailey Ober as well, those guys, once they are ready to contribute, will do it out of the bullpen. I was kind of hoping that one of them would be able to get in the rotation. But at this time of year, you know, it's September, you know, there's not enough time for them to build up uh, enough uh, endurance to pitch, you know, five, six innings. So uh, I guess the best way to use them is, uh, you know, three inning burst. And I would love to see Winder, you know, maybe piggyback off Chris Archer. You know, Chris Archer is <laughs> Chris Archer has had an interesting season, man. Um, he has not had a single quality start yet. I think he's like the first pitcher in a few years to have like over 20 starts and none of them be a quality start. Of course, the, the last pitcher uh, was Ryan Stanek. And the only reason Stanek is in that category is because he was a he was the opener, uh, remember we had remember that uh, era of the opener that was taking over baseball and we were.
1: That yeah, was a great was, week.
0: <laughs> yeah, everybody was starting a pitcher for one or two innings before bringing in the starter. Well, Ryan Ryan Stanek was that guy, uh for the Rays. So, um so yeah, I like to see Wanda using that role. I like to see Aubrey get on line too, and 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 that helps. I mean, if you need a middle inning stabilizer, uh if you're if you're blown out of the game early, you can bring him in and let him face a few hitters and see if your, your guys get, get hit their way back into the game. Um, if your bullpen shot, you know you can give him some length as well. So, um, I I just hope Winder is able to uh, pitch well enough to contribute and you know come back next year and, and be a fixture in that rotation because I like his stuff um, and I think he could be a good uh, an above average pitcher in Major League Baseball uh, if he could just stay healthy. No
1: doubt about it. Uh, It is going to be very interesting. They're getting Malley back this weekend. We're talking here on Thursday. They're headed to Chicago and then New York for four games. Uh, Have you heard anything? Do you have a gut feel when Buxton comes back or is it really just a day-to-day feel-it-out type process?
0: It sounds like it's a day-to-day process. Um, Once he feels okay, he's going to come back. But you know, the thing that raised my eyebrow, Jim, was that when he talked about uh, his hip problem, he said it was for compensating mm-hmm. for the knee, and that's yep. troublesome to me. So it's yep. like almost both have to be, you know, uh, significantly improved for him to get back on the field, or he's going to risk having the same thing happen to him. So they got to be careful with this one. You know, you can't have a guy in a bad knee and a bad hip, um, you know, out there trying to play center field or DHing and trying to contribute. So um, that uh, that's concerning to me. I did not expect him to be ready. Um, right when his IO stint was up and I wouldn't be surprised if it's another 10 days, you know, before uh, he's, he's ready to play. Um, he, and that's going to, it's going to get close to the time when the twins will really need him. Cause that's right when they run into the guardians uh, in, a, in some uh, two series that are going to determine the fate of the AO central. So, you know, you got to, you got to rush him. It's like, you have to take your time with him. But at the same time, it's, there's a sense of urgency too. So that's going to be tricky for the, the twins training, uh, training staff and Falvey and Levine and those guys to, to try to evaluate and determine when it's safe to put him back out there.
1: And there are all the usual complications. As soon as it goes from t- to being more than 10 days. Now, not only do you worry about compensating injuries, not only do you, you also have to worry about sharpness, you know, I mean, how's he going to, I mean, it's hard to hit major league pitching and it's really hard to hit major league pitching if you haven't been seeing major league pitching. So they'll probably have to arrange some kind of a, you know, a game or send him down to St. Paul or something. So it does feel like this is going to be a lengthier thing. And what you really hope at this point is he's ready, ready to contribute during their eight games against Cleveland. But there's no guarantee that's going to happen.
0: Now, good point. You know, and I, I covered George Brett in like his last couple of years with the Kansas City Royals, and George missed over like 350 games in his career with various injuries. But the one trait he would had that was rather unique is that whenever he got off the disabled list, he came back raking. If it took him two weeks, three weeks, or a month, he came back on fire. And I don't know if Buxton has that innate ability in him, but it would be a good time to show that once he gets back in the lineup.
1: Yeah, I think Brett had a just a great swing. I think he, as they say in golf, he owned his swing. The swing was mm-hmm. always there. I think with Buxton, Buxton's more of a feel hitter. He's got to have a good yeah. feeling the plate, and he's got to he's got to like he's got to be confident. He's got to feel relaxed. He's got to you know he's Buxton does not have a a classic swing. He just is able to find. It's just when he barrels it up, it's going to go a long way.
0: No doubt. No doubt. He's not, he's not in analytics. I think he relies on Carlos Correa to explain some of the numbers to him. He just wants to get up there and see ball and let his mechanics take over. And if he's rusty, you know, that can be problematic.
1: Yes. Hey, uh, thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. We do recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. And you should know the lineup by now. Just a massive amount of good sports content, outdoor content, Variety content. We've added Blois Olsen, Dave Lee, Mike Grimm. We have four hockey shows. We have two NFL shows. Uh, We have the best – you know, I think the best baseball analy- analysis in town We have Cheryl Reeve, John Krasinski. Uh, it's it's a great network. Check it out. We appreciate you listening and helping us uh, grow. And thanks again to Corona, the official import beer sponsor, of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chim Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. Uh, the one thing I'll say about Duran, So the Twins were very excited to tell us that he was the first pitcher ever to throw a breaking pitch uh, that went more than 100 miles an hour. Uh, I think that is technically correct. I will add a couple of caveats here. This is here's my here, here's some old guy stuff coming at you, Lavelle. Uh, first of all, nobody was nobody was really measuring Walter Johnson. Okay, Walter Johnson might have thrown eight hundred slot you know uh, curveballs at hundred miles an hour. Nobody would ever know. Uh, okay, Bob Feller might have thrown hundred you know whatever's at hundred miles an hour. Nobody would ever know. Number two, I've been told by people that the modern technique of of Getting a reading on a pitcher's pitch uh, is different than it used to be. They used to measure it with the old jugs guns. They used to measure the ball as it was approaching home plate. Now with better technology, they catch it closer to coming out of the pitcher's hand. So I think there's just a difference in the way things are measured. So I I don't really think Duran is the first pitcher ever to do it. I think he's the first pitcher we've recognized as doing it.
0: Right. And plus, you have to remember that uh, it was King Geek of the Twins who gleefully ran into the clubhouse after the game to tell everybody that uh, Duran had thrown an off speed pitch at 100 miles an hour. Is Josh Kalk. Yes. Their, um, their pitching analyst, guru, um, uh, savant, whatever you want to call him. Um, this is a guy who's supposed to, you know, identify injuries before they happen, um, which is kind of interesting because it seems like the Twins continue to have injuries. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, he was the one who, who who brought that out, and he's probably using all the, you know, all the bells and whistles, the uh, this checking that spin rate and cast stuff, and and rap solo machines to to kind of break things down. But you're right. I mean, maybe you could throw Bob Gibson that guy category too. You yes. know, uh, of of, of pitchers who may have done that. We just don't know because of technology. So it would be great if they would figure out a way to go back and look at these games and apply current technology to them to see, you know, how things. Uh, broken how things uh how fast pitches were and things like that but uh i don't think they're look they're interesting going back i think they're interesting going forward uh, agreed uh once again
1: thank you to corona all right let's get into uh i think mali coming back is going to be a big deal uh, i really yes like the way he pitches outside Cincinnati. I think he's a competitor. I think he's got stuff that plays. Uh, I think he's got a great attitude. I think he really wants to be a part of a winning team. So I'm looking forward to seeing Mally back. I was very disappointed in Joe Ryan on Wednesday. I thought he threw really non-competitive pitches in the beginning. Uh, you know, he, he lives with his fastball. He was getting people out with his fastball. And then he just spins a couple of horrific sliders that just hang there. I mean, it's like Roy always says, yeah, a good slider is a great pitch. A bad slider is the most hittable pitch in baseball. He put a couple balls on a tee on Wednesday night.
0: Yeah, he did. It was bad. I mean, the Grand Slam um, kind of put him in an early hole, and they never recovered. And I still think, you know, that his fastball, it's weird. I and mean, He's fastball intensive, and then part of me likes that a lot. But it seems yeah. like there's times where, you know, he needs to spin something up there that's quality. So maybe that's going to be his homework assignment during the offseason is to figure out a way to make that slider a little more lethal. Uh, so when he does go to it, he can um, have some success. And I think at the beginning of the year, he talked about throwing more sliders, and you know got some hints from some of his teammates like Sonny Gray and Chris Archer about you know how to compete with that pitch, but. Sometimes it seems like it seems like it's not working, and then there's just times where I think he relies he relies on the movement of his fastball as he should, but sometimes that thing just breaks over to the center of the plate. And it's a center cut fastball, and those are going to get clobbered by major league hitters. So he needs to fine tune some things. I still really like his talent. I like his upside. You know, I think he can be a rotation stalwart here going forward. You know, but there's still some growth that needs to happen for him to realize his total potential. No doubt. I, I like the
1: slider as a Pitch you use when you're ahead in the count, and you can throw it either you know start at the strike zone, have it break out of the yes. strike zone, throw it in the yes. dirt, get them to fish. Uh, you know, throw something really hard and nasty. Uh, I don't like it as a. I really need to throw a strike here. Let me use my slider because you know if you if you hold on to it at all, it just spins the way Ryan's did yesterday. That's where I'd like to see a. I'd like to see him develop a really nice changeup that he, that can play off the high fastball.
0: Well, that's that's where we get in the trap here with today's baseball because um you know teams are telling their pitches to hide the fastball more that that puts the onus on you to throw strikes with your, your off-speed stuff and sometimes that's not the best u- usage of those pitches and so but so here i am talking about you know, once again uh i'm supporting a guy who throws a lot of fastballs and then getting them chased with a, s- a slider versus throwing multiple sliders that guys because it's their that best pitch or because um um, you get the right type of action on it and it's just, a, just just a tricky balance to to have when you're on the mound and that's the thing i think that uh, Ryan is just right now looking for in, ad- in addition to sharpening up his pitches um you- pitch usage is probably another hurdle for him
1: so the the division is very interesting. It's not certainly not a great division, but it has been fascinating. Uh, I think most of us thought the White Sox had the best team in the division. They have played like idiots most of the season. Yep. Uh, Cleveland, Cleveland, we didn't know if they're going to compete. They didn't really make additions at the trading deadline, and yet they're still hanging on to first place. The Twins started. I think. I think as of early March, they had no expectations. Then they go out and get Correa and Gray. They impose expectations. They raise expectations early in the season, and really, they haven't played great since then. It, I, I really don't know who the best team is. Who would you pick at this point?
0: Uh, I would lean toward Cleveland. Um, the, the twins, and I wrote about this in the column the other day. I, I just I get troubled because how the offense runs hot and cold. Um, at times they can p- put up bunches of runs, but they've also been shut out 12 times this year. And, um, I'm worried about them when they run up into good pitching, and I shouldn't be because I sat there and watched them in the middle of the season, you know, clobber Kevin Gausman with t- the, with the Blue Jays. Then they 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 got the Nestor Cortez of the Yankees and then hit five home runs off of Garrett Cole. And I'm like, this team can hit good pitching. But I get nervous now at this point in the season, especially if Buxton's not in the lineup too and not hitting the way Buxton can hit. Um, Cleveland, Cleveland's off- offense is sneaky good. They have an excellent infield offensively, led by, you know, Jose Ramirez. Um, but they got the, the kid, um, the second baseman, Gonzalez Gutierrez, who's having a heck of a year. Josh Naylor's been playing some first base, and, and you know, he's a threat at the plate. Um, and um, they, they've got another decent shortstop as well. They've got – that infield's really uh, a productive unit. Steven Kwan is a rookie outfielder who can hit as well. So they're not pushovers at the play as you would think they would be. Um, the The twins actually compare favorably to them pitching staff wise, except for the bullpen. Cleveland's bullpen has been outrageously good this year. They've got like a three, uh, one team ERA out of the pen. Um, they got class A closing games and he's ridiculous. They got Karinchak, who, um, you know, throws the living daylights out of the ball um And so, if they have a lead, they're just going to be tough to beat. And I just, I think the formula is working for them, and I think it's going to continue to work for them. The Twins have flaws, and you brought out Tyler Molly. His next start is going to be very interesting because everybody is going to be watching the radar gun to see where his velo at, and if it's not where it usually is, you know that's going to be a, a, a concern because they cannot win the division with Buck's already out, and then your rotation coming down to. um Joe Ryan, Sonny Gray and whatever you get out of Dylan Bundy you just you can't win that way, uh, even if the twins have fixed the bullpen which they have the White Sox won 93 games last year and I I sensed that they expected that they were going to coast to the division title this year and not have to work hard for it and, and Jose abreu actually uh talked about that a couple weeks ago that uh, they took it for granted that they were going to have a you know another strong season they had a bunch of injuries they've had some weird decisions by Tony LaRusa. Um, They've had not been able to stay healthy in the bullpen or the rotation. Uh, Joe Kelly is stunk as a seventh inning pitcher. Um, They've had a lot of things go wrong with them. And now Tony LaRusso is away from the club because of a medical issue. It's just one thing after another with them. And, um, you know, I I think they're finished. So it's a two-team race between the Twins and the Guardians. They have eight games left between them, including a five-game set at Cleveland. That's probably going to determine the division the twins need to catch them by mid-September because if they don't Cleveland finishes the year with six games, six against Kansas city because of re- scheduling games from the first week of the season that got got whacked because of the, um, the lockout or whatever you want to call it. So, uh, if Cleveland's in first place by that week, uh, it's going to be hard to run them down because they're going to be, they're going to be looking to close it out against the world's team that can be feisty at times, but is out my end. So That's why I'm concerned about the Twins' chances.
1: Yeah, and I thought the Wednesday night game. You know, I don't. Every baseball team loses games. You don't. You know, this this market maybe more so than most really reacts to every loss as if it's some kind of a a tragedy. I will say I, I was disappointed in the Wednesday night loss because I thought Miranda. Didn't get an out on a play where you needed to get an out, and it ended up costing them at least a run. And and Gordon, who's a smart player, going for third base with two outs when you have a pitcher on the ropes, I thought that was a real turning point in that game.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. They, there was a couple of things, self inflicted wounds there that uh, led to a one run loss when you know they needed to sweep Boston. Boston's the last place team in the East, and they're very beatable right now. And you know, I, I'm looking. I'm looking at some of those guys in the team. They're just going through the motions, you know, and they were they were there there to be had. But you got to play clean baseball, and the Twins didn't do that. Um, and, and you know that stuff's got to stop here if they want to try to you know stay in a hunt and eventually overtake Cleveland. Um, so that's the disappointing thing about how kind of things went down from Ryan on the mound to to a couple um, moments where they gave away outs. Um, that you should have gotten. So um, we'll see how they rebound, rebound here against the struggling White Sox team.
1: The bullpen it ha- it has gone from being a weakness to a strength. Uh, Lopez is very good. Duran being able to spot Duran against the other team's meat of the lineup has really been effective. Fulmer's reliable. That's allowed people like Jacks to be more you know just spot relievers. Uh, they did a nice job of fixing the bullpen. They just need to be. They just need the lineup to be healthier. I mean, they you know. You really can't expect, even though it's kind of worked out, Celestino, Nick Gordon, Jake Cave, you just can't expect those guys to produce the way the people you had in the starting lineup produced early in the season.
0: No, you could get, they'll they'll each have their spurts. Jake Cave is now in the middle of his spurt in which he's contributing, but we've seen Jake Cave in the past and that uh, once you play him for like two straight weeks, you know he's going to get exposed by um, his poor decision making in the outfield or base running or uh, lack of being able to make consistent contact. Um, I love what Nick Gordon's offered to the team this year. I'm just glad that he's been healthy and been able to be, to produce uh, his grand slam on uh, Tuesday was a joy to behold. Um, Still 165 pound guy, just swinging a bat. Like he's a, he's like Mark McGuire's just hilarious to watch, you know, and uh, but the ball jumps off his bat, and he wasn't a bad here in the hitter in the minors. I guess we should have factored that in that. If he had consistent playing time in the majors, you know he he wouldn't be a pushover at the plate. He's been more than that. So, um, Celestino's been fine in center, and he's actually you know hit the ball well a couple times. But these are bench players, you know, and there, there's a reason why they're not starters. And once you leave them out there, you know, for an extended period of time, you, the warts will be exposed. So, um, getting healthy is huge for this club. If they can get a couple guys back. um, you know, Garlic is a fascinating guy too because he kills lefties, um, but he also has had some success against right handers too. Yeah. Rocco's done a good job of finding the right times to uh, deploy him. Um, I, I believe his OPS is over 800. So it is. With him, he's just got to stay healthy and he could be a, a guy who could contribute down the stretch. But I still put this on the four guys. Well, Bucks to three guys right now. You know, they need more from Polanco. They need to arise to continue what he was doing. And you know, Carlos Correa, who, you know, he's had an average to slightly above average season. I still expect more from this guy. And these are are the moments that he needs to shine in the heat of a pennant race when you're trying to chase down another team.
1: And there was another thing that happened Wednesday night. Correa came up in a couple of big situations, uh, did not produce and hit a game into a game-ending double play. Uh, They do need more from him, especially in in those situations. Uh, He's, you know, he's been, to me, he's been, a big addition to the team compared to what else their other options were. He's had an average to below average season, but they kind of need it. It's like the old Joe Torrey line. Okay, you know, he'd talk, walk around his clubhouse, the Yankee clubhouse, and say, okay, yeah, it's not possible for you to hit 300 for the season anymore. You can still hit 300 in September. You can still be a 300 hitter, you know, in September and help us win. I think that's where Correa's mind needs to be. He, he could make a huge difference here. And you're right, that, that that's the problem with this lineup realistically, they have three or four people who can, who can carry them. And it's just really hard for baseball players to do that on a consistent basis. It's why you need lineup depth. And Celestino is really kind of falling apart at the plate. Uh, Gordon, I think Gordon has established that he can hit major league pitching and drive the ball. And, you know, so I think he does project as a long-term superior utility player for this team.
0: Hey, you know, the thing about Gordon too, going back to Tuesday, um, that guy's first pitch to him was 98 miles an hour and i think i think he fouled it off and then the guy threw a breaking pitch that gordon got a piece of so the third pitch is 0 02 now and the guy comes with more heat and, and gordon's like you're not getting this past me and he he just he just teed off on this 97 mile an hour fastball and drove it to right center and i'm like good grief this kid is something else it's just uh it's just it's always always fun to watch the, the smaller guys uh, hit long balls. <laughs> oh, no doubt. And I love, you know,
1: it's funny. Roy hates his swing because he kind of, he kind of flattens it too early and drags it through the zone, but looks long. he's made it work. He's made it work. And the fact that he is flat through the zone allows him to hit the ball to all fields, which he's made, took, taking great advantage of.
0: Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. His swing looks long. It doesn't look like he doesn't, those elbows are not bent, <laughs> Right, <laughs> but the, he he's got, he's got the, he's got the hand eye coordination to, to put the, the, enough of the ball, on enough of the bat on the ball for good things to happen. I've seen him flare hits out to left field. Uh, he doubled to left. He doubled to left center on Monday. I want to say, you know, yep. um, he's, he's got, he's got ability, man. It's, uh, it's, um, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, no doubt. And he's a good dude and
1: I'm glad to see him succeeding. I, I think it's been one of the better stories of the season. All right. Uh, we will catch up with you next week when the twins are in New York. Uh, thanks for thanks to Brandon Morton, our producer, our, thanks to Karen Clear, our sales executive. Thanks to Lavelle, and thanks for listening to TalkWork.com.